This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Don't stay here with, with him, okay? So have a good time. So Pastor Phil is going to come and speak and have a great time and I'll catch you later. Ah, that's brilliant. Come on, give the worship team a round of applause as they take their seats. We really appreciate them, don't we? We really appreciate everybody that makes a contribution here at church, a new ministry this week in terms of tots, but everybody, I think there's 27 different team opportunities, so if that's you and you want to get involved in church in in some way and use your gifts and bring them to bear on the church and on his kingdom, which God commanded us to do, didn't he? Then uh, please go and see someone in the connections area um, after church. Well, good morning, everyone. Are you okay? Have you had a good time? I've had a great time over the last week. I've had a lovely, refreshing uh, holiday, and I came back, and guys, it happened again when I came home. Do you know what it was? I came home to a pile of boxes that were there waiting for us, and my heart got saddened. They were boxes similar to these that you see in the front, most of them with um, companies beginning with A, Amazon and ASOS. They'd been clothes that had been ordered by the girls. Well, I mean, guys, shopping is so important that even by the poolside, when we are on holiday, these girls are ordering stuff to have them shipped so that by the time they come home, there's a new outfit waiting for them at home. Like, how serious is that that people go shopping when they're on holiday? I mean, guys, who wants to go shopping when they're on holiday, for goodness sake? Okay, all the women say they want to go shopping. Like, we just want to fly and flop, don't we? We just want to sit and lie in the sun, maybe, okay, have the odd steak and enjoy ourselves when we're together. And so, um, Ruth said at the beginning of the service that we were changing things up a little um, this morning. And uh, the message that I'm speaking to you today, um, please don't blame Ruth for the change in the schedule. You can blame God for the change in the schedule if you want. And the reason I'm saying, with that, I'm saying that is I thought Andrea was absolutely outstanding last uh, Sunday. Wasn't she great? Um, I listened to it on the sunbed, lying in the sun. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I shot up my uh, iPad, uh, my iPhone, and I listened to the podcast, and I was ministered to by the radiance of the sun and also by a fantastic word that I want to continue if I may, this morning, and uh, I'm going to continue in that same theme, and we're going to look at John chapter 3 again this morning, and the title of my two-part message series to you this Sunday and next Sunday is Boxes and Boundaries. Boxes and Boundaries. And this week, I want to talk to you about Boxes. And you've heard all kinds of phrases about boxes, haven't you, in life? You know, you don't want to think inside the box. How do you want to think? Oh, he was all of these kind of illustrations, don't we? He's got out-of-the-box thinking. What do we mean when we say that? What do we mean? Well, what we're trying to describe is somebody that has a thinking that's outside of the norm, 
isn't it? That we're trying to think that, that we're not thinking in ordinary um, way. In fact, as an illustration, you can see these memes that are shared on Facebook and there's a picture of a person outside the box and a little arrow that says, it's where the magic happens. And it is, isn't it? It's where the magic of life happens is when we think outside the box. In fact, one of the things that we used to do in our family when the kids were growing up, on a Saturday quite often, we'd never used to tell the children where we were going. We'd say, we're going on a mystery tour. Where do we go? And they would think, oh my word. And we did loads of crazy things like just go and grab a picnic and go up to the mountain. But I used to love it when we would take ourselves on a different journey outside the box. Because how many of you know we're creatures of routine, aren't we? Come on, we are creatures of routine. Some of you do the same thing every single morning. You get up and, guys, do you shave before you shower or do you shower before you shave? Simple question. And ask it to people that you meet this week. Because some people, like me, shave before I shower so I can wash all the soap away. But other people look at me and go, are you nuts? I shower before I shave because then I can get the razor claws. Close. And I don't mind, but I can guarantee you guys, you follow the same routine every single day. You come down, have a cup of coffee, and you follow all of these routines because we are wired for routine. We are wired for a boxed life. And we use all kinds of boxes in life, permanent and temporary, to box things up. We box up our emotions, don't we? We box up certain areas of our lives. And it's in John chapter 3 we read a story of a guy called Nicodemus that was living a boxed up life. And I want to ask you today, are you living a boxed life too? So before we turn to God's word and before we look at John chapter 3, let's ask God to just come and bless us this morning by his word. You know, we're privileged to be able to open his word here in public, aren't we? We're privileged to open God's word. So my heart, and I pray yours is too this morning, as we open God's word together, that God would come and just open his word to us, that his word, which is life and light and life, would transform our lives this morning. So as we do so, can I ask you to do something different? Just take your hands listening online i'm asking you to do the same thing wherever you are right now you might be if you're in a car please don't do it right now <laughs> but wherever you are if you're listening to this in your conservatory or you're in bed right now just lift your hands upwards as a sign of surrender and say this prayer with me father god as we come to your word right now lord may your word find good soil in our hearts today May your word, which is light and life, may it come and illuminate our heart and our soul today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing, the first thing the girls wanted to do when they came home was to open up the boxes. Do you want to open up some of these boxes? Come on, I need a volunteer. Who can help me open some of these boxes that we see in front of us this morning? I need a volunteer. Can I have a volunteer? Come on, hands up. No? We haven't got a volunteer before I pick one? Come on then. Big hand for Katie as she comes out and helps us this morning to open some of these boxes. 
So, Katie, have a look at these boxes here. They vary, some of them with Amazon, some of them with different delivery things. Which is the box that you would like to open this morning? Which is the one that you're most curious around, about? Um, I'll just open that one. You're going to open this one? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, open that one and let's see what we find in this box this morning. Go for it. Oh, look, they're all dainty opening boxes. You've got to rip it open. Come on. Quick, open the box up. Find what's in there. Give it a good drink. on. Let's see what's in there. Oh, just trash. There's nothing in there. Okay, take a seat. Round of applause for Katie. Hey, somebody else wants to come up and open a box. Come on. Come on, Jamie. Give him a big round of applause. Jamie, which box do you want to open? I'm quite positive that one there. What, this one here? Yeah. Uh, you wanted to open the treasure trust box, yeah. In fact, all of you are thinking, why on earth did Katie <laughs> pick the other boxes? The Bible tells us, Mark chapter 12, the Bible tells us where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so what happens, Jamie, in our lives is we take things that are often temporary and we put them in boxes and we make those our treasures but God never intended them to be treasures in the first place you know uh, Andrea taught us last Sunday and she taught us about Pompey over how he conquered so many different things and if you read the history Pompey was a God collector and he would defeat armies and he would defeat nations, Jamie. And what he would do was he would take their gods. And the story is told that when he got to Jerusalem, when he got to the temple, he wanted to see the gods of the Jewish nation. He wanted to take them home. And do you know what happened? He went in and he tore the veil in two. And what did he discover there? A box. And the box is the Ark of the Covenant. And we open the box and he opens the box in the hope that he's going to find the God of Jerusalem. But what's inside the box? When he opened it up, a bit of slate, a rod and a staff and a few other things. Because God does not live in a box. And we use this illustration so often in our lives that we box God up. God cannot be contained. In fact, all the boxes in the world are held inside God. He is so vast. He is so mighty. Time can't hold him. Space can't hold him. God does not live in, live in a box. But we box him up. And what God wants us to do is to come into the light of his glory. And Jamie, what's been happening for time and eternity is every time we try and box up God. We try and identify him. Abraham has a wrestle with him. And, and Moses, sorry, um, comes to him and says, who are you? I want your name. And he says, you don't need a name. I am who I am. That should be enough for you. And Jacob wrestles with God and he wrestles with an angel and he says, who are you? And his hip gets put out of joint in that huge tangle, the world's most famous wrestling match. We're even talking about it today. And he says, what's your name? Who are you? I won't let you go until you bless me. And he just says, you don't need to know who I am. 
And we want to identify God. We want to box God. In fact, that's why he tells us not to have any idol to represent him. Is because God refuses to be shaped by us. Refuses to be identified by us in our small way. Because he's too big for us to be able to shape him. He's too big for us to be able to define him. In fact, the God who forgave us and says as far as the east is from the west... They don't touch today. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And he wants us to understand that God is so big, he is so awesome, we cannot even try to box him if we tried. In fact, David the psalmist says, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. This week, are you happy standing here still? I'm happy standing there. I didn't know if you wanted me to stay or In fact, to go. this week, this week I had a, had a conversation with, uh, with Karis, and she was saying, Dad, you know that song, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me? I know a pastor that thinks that song is theologically incorrect. What's your thoughts? And do you know what I said? I said, I agree. You see, the Spirit of the Lord has already fallen. He fell in Acts. We read it where he fell by his spirit at Pentecost. And David promises that if we make our bed in hell, behold, I am there. And Jamie, most of us in our houses, in fact, come on, hands up of you. Those of you who got a footprints poster or a footprints poem on your wall in your house, in the bathroom, maybe on the back of the door. How many of you have heard it or seen it or some of you have got that up in your house? Come on, hands up, be honest. Okay, secondly, hands up of you, those of you that haven't got it up on the wall, but guaranteed you've got a bookmark somewhere, or you've got something in the attic that somebody bought you. Hands up again. And the story of that poem is truth, that when we feel the times that God is not near us, it wasn't down to God. He didn't leave us. It was us that had chosen to box him up. In our circumstances, in our situations, we decided God is not big enough for my circumstance. God is not big enough to save my husband. God is not big enough to help me through this messy divorce that I'm going through. God is not big enough, Jamie, to find you a really cool, lovely, gorgeous wife. Is he? No, you will find the right one. Of course you'll find the right one. God's too big. I mean, how many women are on the earth? I'm sure there's one for you, Jamie, because God found one for me. (laughs) But I tell you, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He that findeth a wife finds a good thing. That's what the Bible says. Not that I'm referring to people as things, but that's the Bible. That's what you said. Finds a good thing. So we box God. Where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And I'm going to challenge you in a minute, okay? And you might be all smiling at the moment and enjoying the message and thinking, where's Phil going? Phil's not going to nice places by the Holy Spirit this morning. I ain't. We're going to shine a light into our very hearts this morning because I'm going to begin to ask you, where are you boxing God? So come on, Jamie. Let's open this treasure chest. Go on. Pop over the other side there. 
unless see what's inside the treasure, treasure chest. See, we, we box everything. Storage, containers, temporary and permanent. We box everything. Go on, go for that. Just There we are. There we are. Okay, call out the boxes. We've got boxes inside boxes. We have matchboxes that we put matches into. Don't... There we are. I better not walk too fast in case I cause a fire. Okay. And what's this, everyone? A sandwich box, yeah. And what have we got here? I don't know. Let's open that up. That's a, a box that contains something. What is that? Go on, let's have a look at it. What, what have we got in there? Oh, go on, pull it out. What is that? Oh, a trophy. Oh, it's a trophy box. Mm-hmm, trophy. Things that, like, pass in a passage of time for a moment some things that just happen to our lives as a one-off event some of us we treasure them oh the day that i got married look i love the day that you got married it's really really great celebrate it when it comes but please don't make a trophy of it i love the day that you graduated that's great that it was a ceiling of your education but don't make a trophy of it because where our treasure is there will our heart be also. Keep going. What else have we got in here? Oh, you want go? You went for the little one, did you? Yeah, I did. Are you going to use that one today? Oh, he's gone for the little one. He went for the little one. Why, why did you? Why did you go for that? What, what box is this? Yeah, that's what I said to my wife. You know, some of you. I've, I've told you before. I'm only five foot and a little bit, um, but I'm ten foot tall on the inside. But you know. Good things come in small packages, don't they? <laughs> and my wife had a good thing, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. So, what's in this little package? What is this, Jimmy? Well, it's empty, but there was going to be... A, there oh, there was going to be... So, Is it empty? Open it up again. Let's see if it is empty. You should, though. I, I proposed to you. Yeah, go on. He's opening this <laughs> engagement book. Oh, it fell off the floor. Did it? Where did it go? There we are. There's your chocolate as a reward oh, for this morning. But one day, Jamie, I am confident, are we, oh, we'll share the moment <laughs> when we, I am confident that Jamie's going to open a little box like this one day. And if you honor God, you will find yourself a really beautiful wife. In God's time. preparing her for you in time. Amen. Give Jamie a big round of applause as he goes and sits down. God bless you, mate. Enjoy the chocolate. I know we can laugh and we can smile about all these boxes. But you have boxes in your home right now. You've got some boxes that are unimportant. Boxes in the attic. That maybe they've got stuff that you don't even know. But some of you have got some really nice stuff that you box. They might have rings in them or they might have watches in them. But it's only stuff. Only stuff. And we can make these things so important that we idolize these things. You know, I remember somebody challenging me once. He says, he challenged me, Phil, we should be able to live a life so that when we get broke into our house and stuff gets stolen, we couldn't care less. Ooh. And I just went, <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, there's lots of stuff that they could steal that I couldn't care less about. But there's other stuff that if it got robbed, how would we feel about it? <coughs> and you see, there's other stuff that is non-physical. You see, we have been made by God to be in his image. We are both physical, and we are emotional, and we are spiritual. We have our own trinity, don't we? 
But in exactly the same way are there are boxes like this. There's also boxes in our heart. We box up our emotion. We box up ourselves spiritually. And what God has planned for us is that we shouldn't live in the darkness and we shouldn't box things up, but we should rip all of our boxes open for Jesus. Let me explain as we turn to John chapter 3 and read the scripture together. You see, Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. Okay, he was a guy, he was a Pharisee, he knew lots of really, really important stuff. And yet, he knew that he didn't know it all. And the scripture teaches us in John, and I love John's gospel. You see, John decides to pattern his book and his writing. In fact, the gospel of John finishes with these words. These things are written so that you might believe. And he crafts this wonderful gospel, is John's gospel. It's my favorite of all the gospels. And he crafts it, and he crafts it to mirror Genesis. It starts with, in the beginning. Like Genesis starts with, in the beginning. And he pulls it together. And those of you that are Bible scholars will know that he uses this number seven through the scriptures. He's the seven I am's that John mentions so that we know what God is like and his characteristics. There's seven miracles that are featured there that Jesus um, uh, performed that John puts in his Gospels. And there's all of this, but the, Gospels, the Gospel of John is split into two parts. It's, it's split, first of all, into uh, his ministry, and then the second part is, you know, the Passover weekend. And when it talks about Jesus' ministry, it starts at John chapter 1, 2, and in this John chapter 3, we read this story of a guy called Nicodemus. Can we call him Nicky just for today? Because that's what we'd call him, wouldn't we? If your name was Nicodemus, we'd probably call you Nicky or Nick. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Yeah. He was high up, he was important. I mean, he knew some stuff. He wasn't just a Pharisee, he was a member of the ruling council. It was Nicky. In fact, we can't call him Nicky now that we know he's a member of the ruling council. We've got to call him now Nicodemus, haven't we? Because he's a member of the ruling council. And because of where he is and his status, we read in verse 2, he came to Jesus at night. You see, he had lots of questions in his life that were unanswered. But he comes at night because he didn't want anybody to see him. You see, he's got all these questions about life and he's struggling. to. He's seen all of what Jesus has been teaching and he's seen of what he's done. And he goes and he has questions in the middle of the night. And he comes to Jesus. You see, the rich young ruler had questions, but he comes in the middle of the day. We read that story in Mark, don't we? It says, and he comes up to Jesus in front of everyone. And so many of us have got things in our lives. And he had a box called information. Information about Jesus that he wanted to know. But he didn't want to open this in public. He wanted to open this by night. So that nobody would see isn't that like us? We've got boxes in our life 
that we don't want opened. I remember this stupid story that was told when I was a child. I don't know where it came from. But it was the video recorder or the cassette player or the video cassette player story. Any of you hear this? One day, we're all going to be judged. One day, all the wrongs that we have done is going to be put into a cassette player and is going to play, be played for everybody to see. Have you heard that story? Hands up, those of you who have seen that story. Heard that story? Yeah, we all have. I've never found that story in the Bible at all. Have you? Do you know why? Because it doesn't exist. You see, our world is driven by guilt and shame, and we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. But God is not a God that brings guilt and shame. We bring that on ourselves. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, let's roll back, park John for a minute, and we'll come back to the story of Nikki in a second. But let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. And you see, what happens is Adam and Eve are put into the Garden of Eden, and they're told that there's true trees right in the center of the garden, the tree of life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they said you can eat anything that's in the garden. You can partake of anything. But of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat. But Eve is tempted by the serpent. And he comes and says, you know, can you see that fruit? It's good to eat. And she thinks, yes, it is. I know this is taught incorrectly sometimes, although Eve ate first. Adam was with her. You read the scripture in Acts 2. Guys, we don't have the luxury of saying it's Eve's fault. Together they went to the fruit. She partook first, but they went together to the tree. And they partook of the fruit together. And the Bible talks, us, talks to us about this moment that shame came into the world. They were guilty for what they have done. You see, there's a difference between guilt and shame. You see, guilt is something that we've done. But shame is actually about who we are. It's part of our identity. You see, I can be guilty for the things that I've done to you. I can be guilty that I said something about you. I can be guilty that I stole from you. I can be guilty of something that I've done for you. But how do I experience shame? I only experience shame because of who I am as a result of the guilty things that I have done. A thief becomes a thief when? When he steals. And so his identity becomes entrenched in the wrongdoing. And we see that shame in Genesis chapter 2 came into the world. They ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good of good and evil. Read it when you get home today. And they saw, says the Bible, that they were naked. They needed to be boxed up. You see, now because of their nakedness, they, they didn't know. And it's interesting. God is the one that creates for them skins so that they can be covered from their nakedness. Interesting that they don't do it themselves. You know that picture of Adam with an olive leaf? Or, you know, whatever he's got. Like, where's that come from? What the Bible says is that skins were made for us. The first clothing bought from Adam.com, not ASOS.com. <laughs> and so God had created for them clothes to hide their shame. 
ever noticed something that children are never ashamed of their nakedness? Notice that? I've got a lovely picture I could share with it with you of my two little wonderful girls running around the landing after uh, being in a bath down on Porkin. You know what Porkin is? Naked in Welsh, great word. And as they're running across the hallway, I couldn't resist for to take a photograph of the two of them as Caris, Sarah wasn't even around, Caris and Fion. And I love that picture of their innocence. But we all grow up, don't we? And we all want to cover up physically. And we all want to cover up emotionally. And we all eventually cover up spiritually. And you see, we cover up spiritually because of the physical things that happen to us. You see, the shame comes in maybe because of something as simple as maybe divorce. And we go through a relationship that didn't work out and we analyze it and we overanalyze it. So inside this thing called divorce is this kind of deeper identity that we say to ourselves because of something that happened to us. We take on a new identity that says, I'm not worthy anymore. I'm not worthy to have a meaningful relationship anymore. That love is something that just, it wasn't for me, that I tried it and it kind of didn't work out or whatever it is. And we label ourselves with this thing and it becomes who we become because of the shame of something that happened to us. So Nicodemus comes in the middle of the night and Jesus says to him and teaches him in the scripture, he says, don't you understand that you've got to be born twice? He says, what are the bo- what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the Spirit is Spirit. And John says, and quoting the words of Jesus, that you must be born again. And this word again that he talks about is just a translation that we've got out of the Greek and we translate it badly. But the born again means we must be born a spiritual birth. Look up that word again in your scriptures when you get home. Look up the meaning of it in Strong's Concordance. He says, it's not just being born again as in a repetition, born again twice, because that's what he says. He says, don't you know, don't you know what you're on about? He says, no, you must be born again spiritually in order that we can get rid of our shame and get rid of our guilt in the way that we live because it will destroy us. Our guilt and our shame will destroy us. So I want to ask you, were you boxing up? Are you boxing up so many things in our lives and in my life that I can't come and show? If that cassette player story was right, what's the worst story that could be told about you? And you see, the thing that gets messed up about our faith is we think that God judges us like everybody else. We think that if we're caught in adultery and we get dragged before Jesus, we think he's going to stone us too. He doesn't. God never, listen to me church, God never brings condemnation. We condemn ourselves. John chapter 3 teaches us that he who doesn't believe is condemned already. We're the ones that condemn ourselves. He just makes the way for us to choose. And we can choose the freed life or the condemned life. So can I ask you a question? What box have you got? 
Have you got a box of, maybe something has happened to you. You got fired from a job. Or maybe you worked for a boss. He was just a bad boss. He didn't realize he had talent right under his feet. Do you know I've learned something? 80% of business leaders easily, I would say, are insecure. And when talented people come along, they see them as a threat, not an opportunity. And because of their own security, they keep you down. And there are so many bosses and so many different people, you're oozing with talent. You come with all your creativity to work and you say, oh, we could do this, we could do that. But that boss puts you down. He diminishes you. And in diminishing you, you soon start to believe the story. You start believing it at work. Well, maybe I'm not good at administration. Or maybe I'm not good at doing that job. And we believe the lies of the enemy. And before we know it, we get all boxed up. And I meet you. And you box yourselves up. Oh, I can't possibly play guitar. But there's a guitar in you. I can't possibly sing. Oh, my word. How's this happen? It always happens on X Factor, isn't it? The ones who want to sing, we wish they would shut up. Don't we? <laughs> hey, the ones that think they're God's gift. And they come up, oh, I can sing. Simon, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And they come because they think they got a gift, but they haven't. But there's a quiet, little timid girl that I sang in the shower from the day she was born. And she's got a voice and she wants to sing, but she's been with a dad or with someone in the family who says, singing? You want to give up that idea as a career? Singing? Who makes it in singing? But someone's got to make it. Someone's got to make it. Like Linford Christie, I love him, you know. Someone's got to pick up a medal. Why not me? Why not you? But we box ourselves up. We kill God's creativity on us because of our identity. And we say, I'm not worth it. And we give false humility and we, we dress ourselves up in these boxes. What's your boxes? What's your box? No, I'm genuine question. Not rhetorical, no. I want you just for a minute and say, what's the story you're telling yourself? Did you realize you need to step into the light? Born again spiritually. And I'm not talking about conversion here and faith now. I'm talking about sanctification now. I'm talking about letting God have access to our unholy parts. The bits of us that if we open them up today, oh, can we do that? Can we do that? And the thing is this, right? You don't have to open it up to each other. You've just got to come to the Savior and you've just got to say, Jesus. I ain't hanging on to this box anymore. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to come into the light. But here's the thing. This is what's going to happen for it to come into the light. Is yet this moment in these boxes, what's inside is darkness, isn't it? We've got to open up our boxes and we've got to reveal our innermost things to him. And we've got to come to him. And that's the essence of sanctification, of this process of becoming more Christ-like every single day. We open another box. And it's kind of a little bit like a Russian doll. In fact, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just sharing you some of my boxes. I come and with the boxes of what people said on my life. The boxes of my life that I wouldn't count to nothing. 
that I wouldn't do anything because I got no qualifications. I stand before you as a man today with no O-levels, no GSCs, CSEs, and as my kids remind me, I failed BTEC. <laughs> But I refused to be defined by R.M. Williams, my computing teacher, that says, Morgans, you and computing will come to nothing in life. Well, Mr. Williams, I don't know if you're alive today, but I've just landed myself a job that I never thought I would find myself in, leading security and teaching people about computing power and what it can do for us both for good and for destruction. I'm not saying that now just to, to kind of just give you an example because I'm sharing with you my box. Are you okay? So my box started with this thing called qualifications because I wasn't good enough. And so I opened it up and there was this other box that was inside about who I am because I needed to stand out of the crowd now and I needed to be you know, a bit more chopsy and I, I wanted to be the centre of attraction but all of this was actually just hiding inside little Phil and all of my insecurities over who I was. And I was trying to be this brave person from the outside and I would, ah, the biggest actor around. You see me get up here every Sunday with all the confidence in the world but I'm shaking in my boots before I come up. And it's something I've done always in my life before public speaking and before anything I do. I'm scared stiff. But it was a way of Phil proving to the world that he was good enough. And I would consistently seek to just prove and prove and prove what Jesus is trying to say. God on my life is trying to say, who are you trying to prove this to? Who you giving another award? You need another trophy. But God slowly broke me down. And broke me down over life. And then I realized that I am who he says I am. And my identity is in Christ. I'm the son of a king. Couldn't care less. Gary's taller than me. Good luck to you, Gary. You could bump your head. <laughs> I don't bump my head. There's advantages for being short. <laughs> I couldn't care less. I genuinely couldn't care less anymore. And then when it came to, you know, I remember when I, I left the church, uh, the apostolic church, and I remember, you know, as a previous denomination where I was um, brought up, and I remember Pastor Ivion and ourselves when God had called us to plant this church in 1995. It was a good year. It was a vintage year. It was 95. And we came, and I remember going and sharing with uh, a brother that I... Um, I, I, that God had spoke to Pastor Ivan and myself and then, well, we were going to plan the church in Almond and it wasn't kind of that popular to do that time and so we went and thank God's conviction on us and this pastor shook my hands and he says Philip, you're making the biggest mistake of your life and I confess and I'm not proud of this I confess that for the first 18 months of the life of this church from July 95 when I first 18 months, my motivation for his purposes being successful was nothing to do with the holiness of God. It was nothing to do with the mission of this church to make disciples and to mature disciples, that we are salt and light. And I mean, that's what it looked like on the outside. But on the inside, it was me. Proving to someone else for 18 months 
I'll tell you, this is not the biggest mistake of my life. Because those words have found unrighteous place in my heart. Body, mind, and spirit we are created. And we need to realize that these things that happen to us emotionally, they take a spiritual hold on our lives. And it takes spiritual things to break those chains and to open them up. So I decided to live a life. And I made this kind of commitment off the back of that. It's been going on ever since. And it's like a Russian doll thing. There's a box inside 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 a box. And I'm pretty sure we'll go on opening boxes until I get called up above or until I get called back to glory or whatever it is. But I have determined in my life that there's no box in my life that's going to be free from the light. I decided to open them all Everything else that people want to define of me. I mean, you can say what you want, but I am who he says I am. Whether it's about my stature, whether it's about my achievements, whether it's about whatever it is. Did you see? So we don't have to come to Jesus by night anymore. What we just need to come is to just open boxes. Come on, all of you. Just open boxes! <laughs> What's your box? Serious. What's your box? Because your God is challenging you, some of you, right now. And the thing is, look, you're sitting in the church here. You know what your box is. You know where it is. Some of you have chosen to take it like this and you're picking it up in the attic. Out the way you think nobody's going to see it, but he sees. And you hide it away and you say, not having I leaving that box because that box is too painful to me to open. That's what we think. That's what we think. But I tell you what, was it painful when you came to Christ? Was it painful? For some of us it was painful when we came to Christ, wasn't it? When we had to just surrender and we came to Christ and it's the best thing we've ever done for those of us that made that journey, didn't it? Some of us are different phases in our lives. Our lives are full of defining moments where God asks of this, where God asks of that. Some of you have got a box called money and finances. And you think to yourself, God, I can't open this box up for you and start living a generous life and, and start tithing properly and start giving away properly because there won't be enough left for me. Try it. Open the box. Charity and all of what you know how to do. If 
This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.